We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm speaking with Chris Vincent, the runner-up of the 2019-2020 World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge and owner of numerous FFPC Main Event and Football Guys Players Championship League Playoff teams this season. He's a former league champ of dozens of FFPC leagues, and his career winnings total nearly $80,000. You can follow him on Twitter at FFJuggernaut. In this episode, we discuss the tough lineup decisions facing fantasy owners in the FFPC League playoffs this weekend, Chase Claypool's ascending value, why he likes Wayne Gallman right now, and much more. Before we get into the show, I do want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. 
Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. So, it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Like me, getting excited to watch Aaron Rodgers throw the ball all over the field, hopefully to the right team, for plenty of touchdowns for my Green Bay Packers. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Now, without further ado, here is $80,000 high-stakes fantasy football winner, Chris Vincent. Welcoming in uh, Chris Vincent onto this Thanksgiving episode of the High Stakes Lowdown here. Chris, a uh, what former league champ, redraft champ, football guys champ, dynasty champ with the FFPC, and and you went on a little run last year too for that for that overall grand prize. Welcome, Eric. I uh, I'm I'm excited to uh, to talk uh, plenty fantasy football uh, with you today as uh, we have three. Um, you know, games uh, that are going to be going off on Turkey Day, plus no teams on bye this week, which is going to be good um, for for everyone involved in setting lineups. Uh, I want to congratulate you, number one, as we head into week 12. You have teams in both the main event and Football Guys Players Championship League playoffs. One of the main event teams moving on, you have Julio Jones on it, and obviously he could be a game-time decision. I want to propose the scenario to you, and I don't think you're facing this scenario in this league, but for people who are, who are trying to decide, do I wait on Julio Jones or do I start someone like Marvin Jones, Marquise Brown, Michael Gallup, all three guys who are playing on Thanksgiving Day? How do you sort of handle that? I love Julio, but he can be frustrating, you know, coming in and out of games the way he does. Uh, guys like Jones or Gallup, you know, I like Jones without Galladay there. So guys like him and Gallup, I probably would roll the dice on. Mark Marquis scares me. Baltimore's offense has just, you know, been so scattershot as of late. 
So, you know, if you don't have a great replacement for Julio, I would maybe look to pick up someone like a Denzel Mims or a KJ Hamler just to give yourself a couple extra, extra options. Yeah, and I think that's good. I, you know, getting back to the whole Marquise Brown thing, what's happened to him this year? Because I know he was projected to be a big breakout type guy uh, in the pre-draft process this summer and everybody was drafting their high stakes teams and, um, had some pretty solid weeks early on, totally fallen off. And I guess maybe that's more of a microcosm of, of Baltimore's offense being figured out, uh, by defensive coordinators. What's going on there, do you think? Right, that's the sense I get is, you know, Lamar came out and he surprised a lot of people last year with his passing and whatever he put on film, the coaches have adapted. Um, interesting issues for you at running back in this same league. Um, you have Chase Edmonds, you have Antonio Gibson, David Montgomery, who we think is going to be back from that concussion on Sunday night against Green Bay. You also have Jarek McKinnon uh, on this roster too. And I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, do you have Raheem Mostert on that team too, Chris? I do, and I'm excited to get him back. Yeah, so that was my question here. It's, it sounds like he's going to be back and, and I guess he makes the cut for starting. Um, and obviously you got to play Antonio Gibson as well. Are those other three guys just going to be on your bench? Uh, Montgomery might be a flex. Edmonds probably on the bench. McKinnon back to the bench. So with, with Edmonds, um, you know, with, with the resurgence of Kenyon Drake there too, um, as we look at that Arizona situation, is he a guy that, that is, is not going to be start worthy for, for most people, um, until Drake, you know, either gets benched or gets hurt? Uh, is Edmonds just belonging on the bench right now, not a flex option? I think so. I think he's more of a stash, you know, maybe if they're going to be in a shootout where he's going to catch a lot of passes, I would consider flexing him. Montgomery too. He's, he's been the beneficiary of, of a lot of successful, um, well, not a lot of successful, a lot of, 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 of problems in that backfield. They, they haven't been able to, to replace Tariq Cohen ever since he went down. It's been Patterson. It's been, um, you know, Ryan Nall, but Montgomery, if he's back from this concussion, could he be like a top 15 running back with a heavy workload the rest of the way? Or is that just being too bullish on what, what we think could happen to him? I think it might be a little bit too bullish. Their offensive line has been bad and seems to be getting worse, and the quarterback play isn't helping. We saw um, Joe Burrow go down for, for the remainder of the season. Um, you have T. Higgins on your other main event uh, playoff team, and now we found out actually early this morning that um, Brandon Allen is going to come off the Bengals practice squad and start in week 12. Um, what are your expectations now knowing Brandon Allen's going to be throwing the ball to T. Higgins? And Tyler Boyd, I guess, is the other uh, big uh, passing option uh, on that offense. Uh, what are your expectations for Boyd and Higgins now? Well, I think it's a positive development to start Allen over Finley. Finley has been awful or was awful. Um, Higgins has been great. I think he's the wide receiver 26 on the year. And I picked him up on this team you know, solely to back up A.J. Green, who has done nothing up until last week, right after I dropped him. But I would think, I would think that all these guys are probably going to be, you know, between 70, 70 and 80 percent of what they have been producing. I would still start Boyd for sure. And then Higgins is going to be one of those guys that's, you know, on the bubble every week as far as start for me. You think, and I know this is kind of an unfair question to ask, but do you think Allen holds that job uh, for the remainder of the season or could we see Zach Taylor flip flop based on performance? Um, I could imagine some flip flopping. You know, he comes in and he throws three picks, and then you're going to have Finley come in and throw four <laughs> right. picks the next day. 
<laughs> yeah, such such as the Bengals, uh, as as uh, as it's been for most of the last decade plus. Um, on this same main event team, you actually have Wayne Gallman as well. Um, every team in in the Football Guys Players Championship in the FFPC main event, they're all built a little bit differently. Um, but do you think that uh, the majority of people should be starting Gallman this week, given that he faces said Bengals in Week Twelve? I know Goldman can kind of be a, a gross name to click on when you're picking your starters, but he's he's been producing, and he, you know I think he's looked pretty good. He's passing the eye test, been leading New York in snaps and touches, four touchdowns the last three games. Um, I really don't have a problem starting him. I think he's an RB two. You know I, I'm starting him over guys like Todd Gurley. I know he's not gonna probably score 30 points and lead your team to victory. But, you know, I'm hoping that he produces the, the 12 to 15 that you need to, to keep you afloat. Yeah, this is something that I've talked about with a lot. We might even talked about this the last time we chatted. Um, you know, I think the, the, the inkling people have when it comes to being the league playoffs and the championship round or the football guys players championship and the main event, people think you need to have all these super explosive guys on your team in order to not only increase variance, but, um, you know, make sure that, that you get that magical lineup for those last three weeks. And, and that's not always the case. You know, I think sometimes, um, a guy like Gallman who is going to churn out, you know, 15, 16 points to you, sometimes he can be just as valuable as trying to find that, that lottery ticket, right? Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to play the lottery ticket, you know, with your season online and, Risking that he might score four points or, you know, like the Indianapolis backfield. You know, last week I was starting Hines all over the place and John Taylor came in, had that hand and they, you know, ran him 22 times, which is, you know, a lot more than action he's gotten in the past couple of weeks. So I, you know, I want to start Jonathan Taylor this week, but I would be fine starting Gallman over him because I have, I'm fairly confident I know what I'm going to get from Gallman. The guy's an Indian. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I guess I was, I wanted to ask you about that too. Um, are you just playing, you know, we talked about this last week on this show with the Steelers receivers, with the Colts running backs, it's kind of the same thing. You just, you don't know if it's going to be a Hines week, a Taylor week. I guess you can probably safely bench Jordan Wilkins for the most part because he's going to need an injury to become valuable, but it's, it's just, you don't know, right? Going forward with those Colts running backs. Right. Maybe if, you know, Indianapolis is favored by more than four points and they're expected to win and run a lot, you would want to start Taylor. If they're a dog or, you know, they're going to be passing more than you would start Hines. Um, let's talk uh, a little bit about, um, Antonio Gibson. I know we, 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 we chatted about him very briefly on that, on that team, uh, in the main event earlier. Um, 12 of your FFPC leagues this year, Chris, you found Gibson on them and knowing the hype that was going on. Uh, with with Gibson earlier uh, in the summer in the pre-draft process, uh, people were paying a premium for him. Uh, maybe you got him at a discount before the before the hype, I guess, got built. But why were you uh, so on Antonio Gibson coming into the 2020 season? Uh, him being a rookie, I fall in love with rookies every year, but I went <laughs> a, a little bit overboard on my 80% AG ownership. I, you know. Watching the tape, I probably watched his tape, his college highlights five to ten times over the summer. You know, as I'm, I'm starting to look at my dynasty drafts and he was right near the top of my list. And I was stuck in a position in May doing the dynasty drafts where I was on the clock in one league 
with, you know, a couple of my football buddies that I'm with in another league where I was two picks away. So I sat on the clock and waited for like four hours to, you know, be on the clock in both leads so I can pick them twice at the same time. I didn't want to show my hand. So I was on them early and I didn't pay much of a premium. I want to say 11 of the 12 times I got him, I got him in rounds nine through 12. Oh, nice. Yeah. The, the once or twice, one or two times I didn't get him, I think he went rounds five or seven. So yeah, my, my affection for Antonio Gibson has been a running joke with the football guys. <laughs> you know, I, we, we talk, you know, frequently about his glistening biceps and, you know, <laughs> the way I concentrate on him, you know, when I'm by myself, things like that. <laughs> yes. Well, suddenly this has a different, this podcast has a different rating, um, for sure going forward. Um, so you play a lot of dynasty, uh, obviously, Chris. I'm just curious. Do you think that that's, that contributes to you, as you said, falling in love with rookies every year because it, it's tough to, 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 to shake the, the, the rookie draft hangover once you switch to redraft, um, leagues? It, does that have anything to do with it? Um, I've always been the kind of drafter that is you know, more in tune with drafting rookies and taking the shot at them. You know, to me, it's kind of like investing in an IPO. You know, it's the talented rookies. There, all you really need is them for get to get in a good situation and get the touches. And with Gibson, you know, he was coming in what looked like he was going to be third on the depth chart behind Geis and Peterson, and Geis couldn't stay healthy. You know, along with the other issues he had, and Peterson's fifty-eight years old. So, you know, I thought it was, you know, Washington wasn't going to be great. So, I thought at some point they would, you know, see what they had in Gibson and give him some touches. And I was hoping he could get, you know, 15 touches a game and maybe be an RB2, but he's been toggling the RB1, RB2 line the past month or so, and I think right now he's currently the RB10 on the year. Where, where do you think he gets drafted next year? Is, uh, is he a second or a third-round pick, or is that too aggressive for Gibson in 2021? Um, Well, there will be a handful of rookies that will be pushing, you know, for those spots along with him. I would right. be – Comfortable drafting him late in the second. You know, he's still you're tethered to Washington's offense, which isn't great. But, you know, talent-wise, I think the guy is fantastic. You know, I, I always call him a Ferrari. He's, you know, fast and powerful, quick. You know, I, we've seen very little of his passing game chops so far, and he's he's a great receiver. Besides Gibson, um, was there a, a, um, any particular rookie or rookies, and, and shifting back to Dynasty now, was there any particular rookie or rookies that, that you feel like you got a lot of shares of in your leagues this year? Uh, Claypool was my second most owned guy. I was lucky to move a bunch of guys last season, get a lot of second-round picks, and I think I drafted Gibson on all five of my dynasties and Claypool on three of them, both in the second round, which is fantastic. You know, what's interesting is let's talk about Chase Claypool for a second because I drafted him in – probably three of my dynasty leagues, but I didn't target him. He just kind of fell to me in the second round. I'm like, ah, I'll take a shot on this guy. It could, could work out. And obviously it's been working out not only for dynasty players, but for um, uh, redraft players as well. What was it about Claypool um, when in the rookie drafts, Chris, that, that you really liked? Was it situation, talent? Um, what stood out to you about Claypool? Because he's been standing out all season. Right, all of the above with him. Um, I don't remember exactly what the metric is, but – He's the the only guy since Calvin Johnson, I think, to run the speed with the height that he has. 
Plus, you know, Pittsburgh's recent history of developing wide receivers, Juju, Antonio Brown, you know, the list goes on. Deontay, I love. Um, you know, just the, the talent as much as they throw the ball, I just thought it was a great situation. I, I'm not really a big Juju guy. I think he's, he's good, but I don't, you know, I thought people were overdrafting him the past couple of years. See, now this is interesting. So I, I was proposed this trade and I'm not going to tell you what I did on it. Um, but I got offered a couple of times, actually a couple different leagues. Um, Juju Smith Schuster, um, straight up for Chase Claypool. What side of that dynasty deal would you rather have? Claypool. See, that's the way I had Claypool and it was the Smith Schuster owner offering it to me. And I was like, you know what? Smith Schuster's a free agent after this season. It doesn't, I don't know if they're going to resign him and you know, who knows what situation he's going to be in next year. Um, but with, with Claypool, I just, I look at it, um, from, from the standpoint of, you know, it's the Robert Woods thing. They, even when he's not catching passes, they seem to try to, to scheme him into the game with, with running plays or whatever. And I think there's a, a special uh, talent there in Claypool for sure. Uh, so I'm right. glad to hear that, that you're backing me up on that. What's really telling to me there is you're seeing the top cornerback on the opposing defenses cover Claypool. You know, I think yes. coaches are, are smarter than I am. And they know, you know, who needs to be shadowed by their top quarter. Um, let's talk about um, uh, moving on here. Uh, lineup decisions. We we talk about it, you know, seemingly every single week. They get more and more important. And obviously, for these last five weeks of the season, they are going to be uber important. Um, Tom Brady has had zero success in deep balls. In fact, I think the stat I saw over the last month, he is zero for nineteen on passes uh, that are at least 20 air yards. Um, you just can't do it for whatever reason. Does that give you any concern about starting Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, or Antonio Brown when you are really trying to micromanage these decisions? Uh, that's just on the back of my head, but I'm still starting all those guys. Um, I'm actually the most concerned about Godwin. His, his target share has been really low. I know Evans had a rough patch the middle of the year, but they've seem to be refocused on feeding him. I don't own in, in any Antonio. I didn't have the free agent dollars. I didn't like him enough and I don't really trust him off the field. So I, I'm not invested in him at all. But all those guys, I'm still starting them, but you know, Godwin is a little bit of a concern, not really because of Brady throwing ducks, but more of the target share. Um, the, uh, the big news, I think two weeks ago, we heard from, and I can't remember what Jets beat reporter it was, um, but they said that LaMichael P. Ryan was expected to get uh, a big audition for the, the, the next, you know, the remainder of the season because um, uh, they wanted to see what they had in him. And um, obviously he went down high ankle sprain. He's going to be out multiple weeks. Is there any value in having Frank Gore, Ty Johnson, Josh Adams, any of these Jets running backs on your team? Or are these the type of players that, like, look, yeah, they're going to get touches, but they're not going to help you win leagues? How do you fall in on this? They're not going to help you win leagues. You know, you can add Gore if you're dying to get 42 yards. <laughs> the other two guys, you know, Ty Johnson might get some catches. And I can't remember the other guy. You, Josh, Adams, Josh, Adams. Josh Adams. I didn't even know he was on the roster, so... I think he technically he's still on the practice squad, but he that the reports I was reading was that he was going to be expected to be called up. In fact, he might have been by now. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think sometimes Occam's razor, right? Just just you know, do the the most obvious answer is probably the best one, and that's to stay away from the Jets' offense. Um, the um, we talked about the Steelers' receivers earlier. We talked about the Colts' running backs uh, earlier. 
the kind of a Panthers receiver situation when it comes to starting and sitting. Uh, Robbie Anderson, who crushed it the first half of the season, still getting heavily involved in that offense. DJ Moore, who's been sort of MIA for most of the season, but now the last two or three weeks, he's come on with some big plays and scoring. And Curtis Samuel is probably getting the most targets of any of those receivers. Um, can you feel good about starting all three of those uh, Panthers receivers, uh, or, or are you uh, shying away from one or two and, and targeting another one when you're submitting your lineups? I definitely wouldn't feel good about starting more than one on the same team. You know, those guys have all been, you know, between inconsistent and good different weeks, and it's hard to pick, you know, who's going to have their week. It seemed like P.J. Walker really favored more last week. You know, he didn't mind taking deep shots to him. So I would, you know, if, if more or if uh, Walker is starting, I I would probably start more first out of all those guys. Samuel, I own a couple places, and I picked him up when CMC went down, thinking he would get some some run and some short passes. I think he's probably a better start, you know, when they're facing a good pass rush, but he might get a little bit, of, you know, of those dump offs, screens, whatnot. Robbie, I don't really know what to do with. You know, he was really solid. He's, you know. Seems like a decent PPR guy, but he's not gonna, you know, win the league for you. So when, when McCaffrey does come back and we don't know when that's gonna be, do you expect Curtis Samuel to take the biggest hit fantasy wise? Out of those guys, yes. I, I wouldn't really want to start Samuel after CMC comes back. We are headed into, uh, week 12. The, uh, the waiver wire obviously still open for playoff teams and, and you own several of them. Uh, Chris, I'm just wondering, uh, and I don't know if you've done your waivers yet, uh, put in your blind bids, but, um, if you haven't, who do you plan on going in on, uh, for the, for this week? And, um, uh, if you already did, who did you bid highest on going into week 12? I learned my lesson after the first few weeks of, you know, the COVID environment, you know, it was pretty brutal having to go in, you know, put all your bids in. And then have to change them two or three times again before the waivers run. So I've been waiting as long as possible. Right. Yeah. Um, some guys, you know, that I'm targeting, I picked up taste from a couple places last week. I, I wish I picked them up more. I don't know how long Breeze is going to be out, but you know, the way he runs and taking action away from Kamara, I, I think he's going to be a great start until Breeze is back. There were some impressive rookies last week. Mims led the league in air yards. KJ Hamler didn't get as many targets as he has been getting, but he's still sitting out there on a couple of waiver wires. Right now, this point in the season, I'm typically, you know, there, I don't think there's a whole lot of game breakers left on the wire. So I'm making, you know, more of the, the judicious decisions to back up my stars, back up guys, you know, my starters, adding, you know, good defensive matchups. I, I know I picked up the Raiders defense a couple times last week. I think in preparation for this week or next, you know, I have teams like Miami defenses and they're going to be facing KC. So, you know, you don't want any part of your defense facing KC. I know there's a team where I'm starting Damian Harris, so I'll probably pick up Sony just to back him up because Sony's back now and Burkhead went down. So this is the time of year, you know, where I'm really getting analytical and looking at, you know, two weeks from now, you know, I don't want to have to fight with somebody on the waiver wire for a guy or a defense. If they have a great matchup, I'll, I'll pick them up. But yeah, I'm not really seeing a lot of, you know, I'm not real excited to put bids on anyone this week. 
do, do you ever find yourself in, in, and I, you know, this is something I've, I've dabbled in the past. Sometimes I'll drop receivers, you know, like my number five or six receiver or, or what have you. Um, especially if I, if I'm really top heavy there, um, drop those receivers, uh, in favor of backup running backs that, you know, with, if the right opportunity hits in, in the championship round, all of a sudden I could be looking at a 15, 20 point guy. Um, do you find yourself doing that be, before the roster lock coming up here in the next couple of weeks? Yes. When I, I'm looking at my roster composition, I'm, you know, I want to have five receivers I feel good about. And, you know, I don't need a sixth guy to score seven points for me. I'd much rather have that lottery ticket sitting on the end of my bench, you know, um, Mixon and Gio Bernard. You know, Gio Bernard, Bernard isn't a great player, but you know, guys like that, guys that are behind a, a starter and often injured starter, maybe even the third guy down the depth chart if it's a really good offense. You know, guys in Seattle have been popping up and producing. You know, Rashad Penny is coming back in a week or two. That's, that's the kind of guy that I would rather have in my roster than a sixth or seventh receiver. Uh, makes, makes perfect sense. And I'm, and I'm glad to, uh, to know that, um, that you and I are of one mind on that when it comes down to, uh, roster management coming up in the end of the season. Uh, Chris, you've been very gracious with your time this week. I, I certainly appreciate you carving out a little time. Talk a little fantasy football with me. Final question before I let you go. Enjoy Turkey and Thanksgiving. Um, a sleeper that you think, uh, needs to be in high stakes lineups this week that maybe not a lot of people are starting. And then a guy you think is going to bust and disappoint that a lot of people probably will be starting. Uh, but he's going to let his zoners down. I really like Jalen Rager versus Seattle. And I know Wentz hasn't looked great, but he is definitely getting the air yards. He, they're starting to feature him a little bit, and you know that has all indications of a shootout versus Seattle's bad defense. So you know, I, I, I I'm starting him where I have him, and I think he's going to outperform you know expectations. A guy I'm looking at as a bust. I really didn't like what I saw with Camara last week. I mean, you're not going to sit Camara, but I wouldn't expect, you know, the 30 to 40 points he gives you some weeks. Taysom is taking, you know, a lot of that rushing action away, and it was kind of shocking to see him not catch one ball for the first time in his career. So, you know, I'm, I'm still starting him. I just would set your expectations. Yeah, I, I was – no, I, I own Camara way too many, too many leagues, and it's been great up until then. Uh, until Hill took over because he was peppering Michael Thomas and Kamara not only got his, um, his, you know, some of his rushing taken away, but all of his passing. And I know they threw to him a couple of times. Um, I know one, one got called back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a little frightening for Kamara owners after he'd been riding this gravy train, uh, all season to, to see maybe him cut down to size a little bit. And like you said, still perform, just not up to, Alvin Kamara in capital letters uh, that we've seen most of 2020. Uh, Chris, you definitely performed today. You always do. I uh, certainly appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Good luck the rest of the way. Uh, hopefully the ball bounces your way in both the main event and the Football Guys Players Championship. And happy Thanksgiving, man. My pleasure. You too, Eric. Have a great holiday. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage 
rotoviz.com slash podcast. 